Hello and welcome to the Viewfinder Vikings podcast. This is episode number 17. And today uh, on the show, we have uh, our regular co-captain, our co-host, Ian Barnuminat. How are you, Ian? Yeah, great. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Good to be back uh, after a couple of episodes away. Cool. And we also have a, a guest that uh, it's been a while since you, you've been on the show now, right, uh, David? How Ages. Are you? Good. <laughs> I missed you. <laughs> I figured that was why you were suddenly on the call. Yeah, yeah, no, I got the tattoo of your face, but it wasn't enough. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Okay, so I I listened to the show last time, and I, uh, for the last uh, recording with you, David, and I, I seem to have forgotten to introduce you uh, or even tell the folks your last name. Uh, but who cares about stuff like that right no, so yeah but I you're thought... a deconstructionist we discovered <laughs> it doesn't matter about backstory or... i just i just need your face that's all just right now um, <laughs> that didn't sound good okay <laughs> let's move on so i was thinking that in this part two of this huge interview project that we have got going on Maybe you can even get a few minutes to introduce yourself and, and tell the world your full name and maybe your web page address and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm David Samuel Allen. Um, so my last name's Allen, which is, which is annoying because in, in France, where I live, when I moved here, every, everyone thinks it's a first name. And so, yeah, they, they get confused. Um, <laughs> So that's a problem. Uh, and you can find me on davidsallen.com, which is, or dbloomsday is my handle on pretty much every social media platform. Um, but yeah, yeah, my guy who, you know, originally went to university for theology, dropped out to start a video production company, had a falling out with the guy I started that with. So I went back to tech school for exercise science and nutrition. It somehow led to a master's degree in mathematics. So that's that's basically that's me. Yeah, in a nutshell. Cool. So how how did you end up in France, Dave? I, I missed that part of the story. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's funny. My wife lived in France off and on for about five years, and in the U.S., I had about a year left in my PhD, and I thought I found someone I could perhaps finish it with in Toulouse in southwest France. I knew my wife always wanted to come back and live here. So I sort of chased that possibility and it didn't work out, but then we stayed because we liked it here. And now we have two kids who were born here. So sort of, it's our home now, yeah. Nice, so how long ago is that? So four or five, five years? years. Five years, okay. yeah. yeah. And, and when you first moved over there, so, so when people kind of change a country or change their scenery, and they're photographers, they can see it in two ways. They either can't find anything to photograph because all the things that they were used to have suddenly disappeared, or it's like a wonderland and they, they're, they're out shooting stuff every day. Did you, how did you get on with that? It's interesting, I like, so photography sort of replaced mathematics for me. So it was actually when I moved here that I really found photography, actually. Mm -hmm. So me, getting into photography was in conjunction with moving here and then i do things really hard and, and fast um 
<laughs> so so then I got like you know started making a dark room in my in my in our tiny little kitchen in our you know one bedroom apartment at the time in Duluth and stuff and just went really fast which feels really funny because I have guys like on Instagram like asking for tips for stuff and they're, <laughs> and they're like thanks I've only been doing this for you know like 10 years and I still have a lot to learn I'm like I've been totally dark room printing for like two but yeah cool you're welcome <laughs> I'm totally a fraud I'm completely you know whatever yeah make it till you get caught faking it or whatever the saying is yeah no I th- you um you're on a good I've heard you on a couple <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you on a couple of podcasts recently particularly the sunny 16s yeah. um their last episode and you were you, you had t- kind of all, all different ideas and, and lots of kind of technical um advice for for Graham mostly about how he was going to pull his project off um, so it seems that you've brought that kind of mathematic approach almost to your to your photography and the the kind of the craft of photography, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. um, do you see that, or do you? So, let's start again. So, my favourite ever podcast episode, my favourite single <laughs> ever podcast episode, is where you and John Wilkinson sat on on your parents' yeah. porch, I think it was, yeah, for yeah. like four hours drinking whiskey. <laughs> and recorded yeah. all of it and and the kind of theme through that episode was are you a craftsman or an artist and yeah and you both went kind of backwards and forwards for like an hour and a half each <laughs> about <laughs> on this on this on this topic and uh I, because you were so drunk by the end of it um i, I, I struggled to know you know who was who who was a craftsman who was an artist um so yeah back to that question um <laughs> you've obviously brought a kind of scientific background into photography which yeah. is you know, kind of an artistic practice how have the two things kind of coexisted or got on together in your, in your practice so so my background before finding math i was more of the philosophy and art kind of person so i had a pretty good understanding of art history and really love art and and everything mm-hmm. did, a, did a bit of painting and sketching and stuff uh, and was very into art and philosophy and then the math I found is an area uh, called algebraic geometry, which is sort of equally abstract and technical. Mm-hmm. And and so so I consider myself more of an artist, right? I just sort of learn the technique or experiment and get what I need to sort of affect what images I want to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, for me, like I said, when I moved here, photography replaced mathematics. And so it's really, for me, it's the marriage of those two perfectly for me that like I can um, have the philosophy of art and the images I want to make, but then I can use the technical aspect of photography to create that, mm-hmm. you know, which sort of satiates uh, uh, that like need for for some something technical in my life. Um, uh-huh. And it's not in front of a screen. That's which is yeah. just a bonus. So, so yeah. So I see myself, I guess, more of an artist, but who likes, who doesn't like to be limited by anything. <laughs> which means you just have to have fairly good technical acumen to, mm-hmm. you know, do things that you probably shouldn't actually do. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. And and you were you were teaching maths for a while, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, have, you, have you ever had any desire to kind of teach people some of the practices that you've developed 
in your photography. I mean, you, you're kind of doing that with some of your podcast appearances, but um, do you do you feel the need to share some of the stuff that you've developed? Yeah, I. So that's the thing about from my from my PhD that I actually miss the most is teaching at the university level. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that, and I think I was good at it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I missed that. And I was actually going to try to maybe do a video a photography course subscription service, try to launch it because I do web development and some app development and stuff for my actual job. And I was thinking about doing that this year, but then I ended up launching on the side a music ebook publishing company with my sister. <laughs> so. <laughs> Didn't really have time for that, but I've been thinking, I used to sort of do just vlogs when I first started photography, talking about my process and stuff. And so I've been thinking about revisiting, just uh, regularly doing uh, YouTube videos, but not just talking about my projects, but maybe make it more about photography at large, talk more Mm -hmm. about techniques and, you know, different photographers and what they're doing and just do sort of a, I don't know, like, yeah, a show about photography at large and use that as a platform to maybe do some of this again. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's something I miss. That sounds really interesting because I think you're, again, back to your the conversations I've heard with you on other shows, particularly with John, um, your kind of, um, your your thoughts and your, your opinions on photography I've, I've found really interesting. Um so yeah, I'm sure there'd be people that'd be interested to to listen to that. Maybe you could do the Magnum um, uh, studies thing, you know, that thing where you can pay a hundred dollars to listen to Alex Soth for five hours yeah. um, oh. on demand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> isn't that no. maybe that's the model? Isn't that um, isn't there um, that thing that the YouTubers are sponsored by the the Skillshare? Isn't that a platform where? everyone can create their own course and then if it's successful they make money and if it's not then they don't make anything isn't that the whole idea about that site do you know i don't know about skillshare yeah maybe because uh, the the biggest um, youtubers are uh, photo- photography youtubers are sponsored by Skillshare and there are a lot lot of courses there from actual photography teachers and and stuff but there also there also I th- I thought I saw some YouTubers that mentioned that you can also upload your own courses and then uh if you, mm. if you are good then uh someone picks you up and I don't know gotcha. That could be uh, then you would ha- you don't have to do all the the back work and the promoting and stuff you can just do the videos and then upload them and then yeah i mean i it's like what we were talking about last time though cuz the things that are actually successful photography wise are just like banally pretty photos of pretty things <laughs> yeah. and you know i <laughs> and so so i think i might be a niche product <laughs> here's be. how to make intentional ugly photos Right. <laughs> I was actually, I was actually going to challenge you uh to uh, to do a project uh or a competition between not maybe not the three of us because uh I think Ian is too good uh, on this subject. But I was thinking maybe we'd do one image one shot in color. 
<laughs> so the most sort of the hardest thing that I can ever think of is to do a, a one photograph in color uh, of a scene and the, to yeah. make that interesting it's just that is almost impossible to me so but, I mean, but I'm not going to challenge you I mean that you're not going no, to no. challenge me to do an interesting color photo no that would just be silly <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. this is a this is a photographer's podcast for the masses isn't it <laughs> yeah really <laughs> colors easy yeah. well, I... color pretty things who, <laughs> who wants to do that it's like, it's like when I shot the fireworks in black and white. I thought it was being so like I shot I shot a bunch of fireworks in black and white here in Toulouse, you know, um, or well, actually, it's also a piece in the like the village I'm in. And I was like, everyone does them in color. I'm gonna do them in black and white. I was like, yeah, <laughs> and they came out really cool. And everyone's like, those are really pretty. I'm like, Damn. no, <laughs> damn it, oh. That's so funny, but it's true in a way because I don't know. Every time I take like single shots of something, um, just like a, a compositional image of a, something, it needs mm-hmm. to be. It needs to separate itself from from the crowd in in a way. And uh, right now I'm shooting black and white, and then if I like the image uh, scanned, I know I can push it real far in the dark room yeah uh, and so that helps but that the starting point needs to be o- already interesting and not pretty and yeah i don't know if either of you guys saw my emulsive interview um yeah but uh i did that. okay i did yeah i read that before the la- the, the previous episode i read that Okay, because there's a picture of me, like, sort of a self-portrait with the Horseman VHR, because um, I'm sort of anti, just, let's just talk about gear, and photography's just gear, and, like, secretly, I, I was telling you this, uh, Sven, that, like, I really do like it in, in person, I'll talk about stuff a lot and make suggestions, but on the internet, I'm just like, stop talking about gear, yeah. and so M asked me for a photo of the Horseman VHR, because it was a camera I mentioned, you know, in response to one of his questions. And so I loaded up just uh, one of my dark slides, you know, uh, four by five film, and <laughs> took that picture of the VHR with me spitting out toothpaste into the sink. Um, just <laughs> like my whole like anti-gear. Oh, here's a picture of my camera. I'm like spitting, uh, <laughs> I'm brushing my teeth. Like I don't get any crap. And that's why I made that photo just for him. Oh, I um, need to find that now. Where is yeah, it? Yeah. So it's just like my Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah. It's, but I, I oh, used a so bunch cool. of, I used a uh, front uh, swing on the camera. So I'm really out of focus. And so the camera's just sort of in focus. Because I put a lot of swing in the front standard, I think, if I recall. Yeah, <laughs> just, just my like sarcastic. Key. Oh, you wanna you want a photo of my camera here? I'll do it while I'm brushing my teeth. Oh man, so, yeah. <laughs> that's so but, cool. Yeah. I really like that. Um, I I sort of agree with with the whole gear talk thing. That uh, it's pretty interesting when you're one on one. Uh, especially if you have the gear in front of you and you can you can just sort of just sort of like ask the questions you you want or yeah. you, you can test it and hold it and and see if it was 
what you was thought you needed or or something like that but it's a, it's so annoying when when there is something i didn't know about uh discussed on a podcast and then suddenly i'm on ebay uh before the segment has ended i'm on ebay while i'm listening to it searching for prices and, and stuff uh, uh, that that's starting to annoy me a, a lot that i'm that i'm so i can't even wait 20 minutes to to check it so <laughs> i guess there is some gear nerd deep down I- in me yeah Ian, I mean, Ian, okay. you're quiet on this topic <laughs> <laughs> gear's not my my thing we could talk about film but uh yeah I'm... do you do you <clears throat> let's yeah. talk about film do you i was just going to say that in in my images or in my photography i i can't have um like the when you shoot uh four by five in black and white you sometimes um compensate in development in order to get the flattest image so you have least no the most to play with in the dark room yeah and that's sort of a super good idea but in reality to me i need to be going somewhere with the image so I can sort of continue that path so if it's a super flat HP5 shot at 320 it doesn't give me any visions when I'm when I'm in the dark room Mm -hmm. but if I shot yeah if I shot that at 800 it's already a part of the way there and I can just continue it do you do you Mm -hmm. feel the same way or or do you when you choose your film, do you do you go for the less contrasty, lot of option style? Yeah, well, for me, I I don't print the way that you do. Um, since I moved across here, I don't have access to a dark room, so right. um, everything I do is done in Lightroom, uh, which means I use FP four for everything pretty much. Unless there's a <laughs> unless there's a reason why I can't, Good then it's FP four. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a way to go. Yeah, obviously across I've got uh, I don't know, fifteen rolls or something left um, for nighttime stuff. Looking forward to breaking that out over the next few months, but yeah, otherwise it's just FP4 rules. Do you when you did your nighttime uh, series? Did you mm. did you expose so you you would get as close as you could to the final image in camera, or did you expose so that you could have a lot to play with when you got? No, I I usually, so again, as Dave was saying on, I guess it was Sunny 16 recently, um, the mistake a lot of people make with nighttime photography is to, is to let the meter meter the scene, which will try and lighten the scene up. So what you need to do is underexpose by at least a couple of stops to, to make sure that your black bits are black because particularly the, what I was looking for when I was trying to do that was, was, um, the the darkness was was as important to those pictures as the as the bits that you could see. You know, I wanted it to be mysterious and kind of you know get people wondering about what was lurking in the darkness at the edge of the frame, sort of thing. So having really black blacks was important, and I, I knew that Acros would sort of take care of the highlights. Yeah, um, right. So yeah, just just make sure that you under underexpose it by a couple of stops, which. Uh, and yeah, you didn't really need to do much. Black point was all the, was all that you'd really need to play with in uh, in Photoshop or Lightroom, whatever. Yeah, I, I, that's funny. I was thinking of you when I was on the Sunny Sixteen talking about that. 
Because I don't Aww. do a lot of night photography. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was like, but like, um, Ian, you're, I've seen a, a few threads when you've posted your night stuff on Twitter, and it, I don't know if it just popped up a lot on my feed, but it seemed a lot of people were asking, how do you meet her? How do you meet her? What is it? Like, yeah. and, yeah, um, and so it's sort of funny. So I, uh, I just was sort of thinking of you when I was talking about that because I'm like, I wonder well, if you will <laughs> listen to this, what you would say. Like, because I gave a very broad, like, ah, underexposed two stops, you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I was, as I say, I was supposed to be alongside you for that show and I, I could have backed you up when you said underexposed by a couple of stops. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it, it I, I mean, again, I usually cheat. I usually take a digital camera and, and take a picture with digitally to to, mm-hmm. to, to meet her, basically, and, and get the scene how I want it to look. But as I say, generally speaking, that's that's underexposing. Obviously, you don't expose for the, the brightest highlight. You don't take your meter reading from there and then underexpose. Yeah. You kind of, you find the the average, the kind of, the, the thing that's being lit by the light rather than the light itself. And then, uh, yeah, a couple of stops below that will mean that all the black stuff's black, which, uh, yeah, works for me. Job done. Yeah, it. But the the like, that's a problem. Like with the question about how you shoot, whether for the dark room or scanning, because it is different. Mm. And I still have this tendency to try to shoot in camera for what I want, and I'm mostly a dark room printer. I do more dark room printing now than I do actual shooting. And I always have to remind myself not to shoot how I want to shoot. Like, for instance, I my favorite thing is FP4 at 500. I think FP4 at 500 is just the perfect looking film. Um, I just love really? it. Yeah, I love it. I just, like, if... And, but... And I like how it prints, but you don't have as much latitude, right? So when you're, when you're printing, if anything, it's better to pull, pull your film lower contrast. Mm. Right, and then you can deal with, you can add contrast later, and so I, I just have a hard time, personally, with that. Still, you know, even when I'm shooting now for the darkroom. Um, yeah. So how does it look? How does FP4 look at 500? It looks wonderful. It looks amazing. <laughs> it's just, it's perfect. I don't know. FP4 at 500 is just better than HP5 at 400. I don't know why anyone would shoot HP5 at 400 when you could push FP4 two stops, and the like grain isn't blown if you have a good developer like yeah uh, it's wonderful okay i should try it tomorrow do you know um a lot of my stuff is fp4 at 500 actually uh do you know the the dragon in a teacup photo i did yeah yeah that's fp4 at 500 okay but Um, how 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 is your uh what does your negative look like when when you when you shoot like that is it close to what the dragon looks like? In yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah. Okay, so so it's so it's less of a a, a work in the darkroom. Yeah, it's less. But then, but the problem is with that in the darkroom. For instance, I have to burn the crap out of the dragon's jaw because it's a little too bright, right? Because once you have that contrast, right, right, then you have to you have to compensate for it a little bit, right? And so then you end up split grading more and, you know, and dodging and burning a little more, just in areas that you wouldn't necessarily have to um, if yeah. you just played with contrast in the darkroom. So. I think the the thing for me is that I, I've been photographing for for a lot of years 
and uh, I've been shooting film for three or four years but I've only done darkroom for about a year or maybe two years and I the thing I'm very more uh, very I'm much more confident in in f photographing and how film will behave than I am uh, doing stuff manipulating stuff in the darkroom so if I can print quote-unquote like straightforward in the darkroom I'm a super happy camper so I think the issues for me starts when I need to work a lot on a negative in the darkroom like days like Lena, yeah. Lena Besanova t says that she's been working 13 hours on one image I mean that's just crazy. I could never do that. Uh. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a hard thing like how things scan. You know, scanners like denser negatives even than enlargers and even depending on the enlarger you use, how dense your negative is, you know, it varies even specifically to your enlarger, right? Like mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, my enlarger has a very bright light source, so it'll do better with a denser neg you know, a negative that maybe you shot for a scanner. But the enlarger I started on, you, a super dense neg, you don't actually get as good of an image out of, right? So it gets sort of complicated. You know, what are you... It just, I don't know. So, yeah. Oh, the, the thing of me spitting with the Horseman, the my anti-gear gear shot, that, that was on H uh, FP4 at 502, I think. So it's all it's all FP4 at 500, man. It just turtles all the way down. <laughs> so I'm gonna do it. I'll, I'll try it tomorrow. Do um, it, uh, man. What what so, dev developer do you normally use with FP4? I've got uh, either DDX or Ilfotech HC. Oh um, yeah, either either one should should be great. Yeah. Some so I was listening to the uh, the large format um, podcast a couple of days ago, and they had Alice Tomlinson on. Um, I don't know if you know her work. Um, she did a, a book called Ex Voto, which was about um, kind of religious pilgrimages to Lourdes, to a place in Ireland and a place in Poland. And the place in Ireland is is about an hour, an hour and a half away from where we live. So listening to that yesterday or the day before has kind of inspired me to get down there. I've been talking about going to this place for for a while, um, but tomorrow I'm going to head down there and take some pictures. So that's it. FP four five. <laughs> F five hundred, do it. It's it's my go to. We didn't have the uh, the weather update for this week, but <laughs> Ireland uh, in oh, October yeah. means that it's grey and pissing down. So uh, FP four at five hundred should be perfect. Perfect, do it. <laughs> yeah, just so, increase your development time by one one point eight five. Multiply it by one point eight five. You're good to go. Done. Right as rain. I'm writing. I'm writing that down. One point eight five. <laughs> Don't forget the five, otherwise you will screw it up. If it's just one point eight, you're screwed. <laughs> might need a maths professor to help me with the calculation. Oh man, I'm crap at arithmetic. <laughs> so, so one more question from from last week's show. Um, yeah, shoot. So you, you you kind of talk through your the things that you've done, you know, the, the double exposure stuff and the uh, uh, you had red scaled this and you'd obviously been underground taking taking pictures of, of uh, oil tanks which we'll go yeah. on to later you, you, you kind of seem to be bouncing around all over the place which you know a lot of us do are you bouncing around trying to find the thing that that is your calling or are you enjoying the bouncing around 
<laughs> I'm enjoying the bouncing around. I have a lot of big ideas in my head and things I wish I had more time and uh, funds to realize. So there's sort of long-term projects. I'm, I'm just, I enjoy bouncing around while I sort of do these slow burn projects that I'm actually thinking about. Yeah. Um, so I'm not like looking for a calling because for me, I, I'm what, a person who makes photos. I know that's like contentious sometimes like, oh, are you, do you take photos or make photos? But in French, we say like make photo anyway. Um, so I like that. Uh, and, and so for me, it's almost like, oh, these things are raw materials to sort of make images I want to make anyway. So I'm not like looking for necessarily a subject matter or, or what have you. So it's just, it's fun to use photography as an excuse to do ridiculous adventures sometimes, to try fun things. And then on the side, I have these sort of like slow burn, pro like long-term projects I want to finish and that I'm working on that maybe people have seen parts of or haven't seen anything at all of, or, you know. Um, so like, cause my public like photography, you know, you look at my Instagram feed, there's a lot of color photos on there, but I don't shoot much color at all. Right. So, so like yeah. what I show isn't necessarily what I actually am working on. But, yeah, no, I know that feeling. So so um, so do we have to wait for the kind of retrospective, do you think, you know, the 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 end of your career in, in 60 years time where this all comes together into a book and and yeah, uh, maybe a, a, book a book of or many you chapters? Have... Or like the two of you who are still interested by the time I die, I have to track down my kids <laughs> and they'll dust off like the thing and be like, here, this is what my dad used to do. Yeah, sure. Take them. And then you'll be like, these wait, why ugly. is it just a, yeah, these are just a bunch of double exposures of people's backs meant to look like vulvas. Like what the hell was he thinking? Oh man, it's a good thing he died before he finished that. <laughs> I've been actually not to not to become too too dark and gloomy here, but I I was just thinking, I was looking around in my studio and I have all these negative sleeves, hundreds and hundreds, and I was thinking, what if something happens to me tomorrow, and my family has to go through all of this, and they have no idea which of one of these I was fond of, and which I thought was just trash. I should mm -hmm. I should probably do something about it. I should probably like make a folder or tell them that this 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 is worth printing a few times when I pass away or <laughs> whatever. How how interested do you think your respective families are in your in what you do? You know, how often do you sort of share share, you know, if you're particularly pleased with a print or or some work something you've been working on is anybody interested or uh, for me, or, um, yeah, well, either, yeah. It, I mean, for me, I think it depends. If, like immediate family, like my wife, my wife is interested, but she, you know, she hears my thought process along the lines of all these things, you know. So I think out loud to her a lot. Uh -huh. So obviously, she she sort of that has the inside scoop. <laughs> yeah, what hearing me think out loud? It's not. Yeah. It's it, no, you don't. You know. There's not enough whiskey in the world to want to be there for that. Um, <laughs> me thinking out loud. Um, that, but, since uh, that episode with John Wilkinson, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> there yeah, was exactly. enough whiskey before that. There wasn't yeah, <laughs> There wasn't much after that that podcast at all. I'm glad you enjoyed that. I, <laughs> my, yeah. I, I I was talking about going on this 
and my wife's like, again, is it, that's the same one? I was like, yeah, but this time, you know, this other guy, Ian's going to be on. She's like, do you know him? That's always the question. Like, do you know this person? I was like, yeah, we've interacted on, you know, Twitter, like, you know, a handful of times, not like a super ton, but I was like, but one thing I do know is he just really liked the podcast with John Mulcahy. I even told her that. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so. I, I think John was the, the consummate podcaster, you know, his, his, his yeah. interview technique. I mean, and you were, you were friends, right? You were. Yeah, yeah. You knew each other outside of that, I think. But yeah, he, he was, every show was just fantastic. Regardless yeah. of who he started with, he, 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 he kind of, he just brought the best out of whoever it was he was inter- interviewing. It's uh so just I, I should probably tell people the name of the show that I'm talking about. It's called The Creative Bar. And uh, yeah, look it up because there, there isn't a dull episode, but particularly episode 40 something with uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. David Allen. Um, First like 20 minutes YouTube. is on YouTube too. So you can actually watch us drinking on <laughs> the first, It's yeah. just like the first 20 minutes. But... And the, the weird thing is, you, you, I don't know if you both were smoking or if it was yeah, we were. Kept, yeah, but kind of like throughout kind of each, every other word, there was a, there was, there was a pause <laughs> and this bubbling sound. <laughs> <laughs> and then kind of, and then the second half of the sentence was exhaling between each word. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <just> it was, <laughs> it's amazing. So I love that. That's it. why you like the episode. Okay. <laughs> just whis- whiskey and pipes, man. Uh, no, there that's was some. That was, podcasting yeah <laughs> uh, okay so anyway yeah i enjoyed last week's chat um so i'm glad i was able to ask you those couple of questions that i t- thought of as you were as you and sven were, were kind of talking away we should talk about inch and down and the uh and your your soon to be released movie right yeah yeah um so how does it how does it feel to have an internet movie database entry <laughs> i mean <laughs> Good. It would feel better if I wasn't the one who had to get like an IMDb Pro account to make it. <laughs> but you know, you take the wins. Um, no, it's 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 pretty cool. Cause so I think I mentioned I dropped out of university originally to start a video company. Um, uh-huh. So I sort of have a background in video. And I do a bit of video for clients still too. And, you know, it's something that I've done off and on since then even. Uh, But I've never made a feature length film of any sort, you know, so we would like the company I helped sort of start back in the day, we would do sort of 20, 30 minute documentary kind of things. We did a couple of those and things like that, but nothing ever of this, of this sort. So for me, it feels really cool just to have also made that, you know, if, if three people, if three people watch it, you know, it's still, there's still something really neat about, about actually doing that. And I'm the one who edited it all. Like I did all the editing and post-production and everything. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Well, maybe we can talk a little bit about the, the history of, uh, of that, um, of that documentary and how it came to be. Did, did was it supposed to be a documentary from the from the beginning, or was that later on you thought about that? So yeah, so I met uh, Simon 
Uh, oh, oh gosh, I was going to open this whole episode with talking about Simon. He listened to the first like ten minutes of the last episode, and then just messaged me and said, "I'm ten minutes in. You haven't even messaged me." Like, you know, and then oh. a bunch of, ex- you know, like things I can't say on air. You know, he was, he was, he was upset. So Simon, this is we're more than ten minutes in, so he hasn't listened this far. He thought I forgot about him again. Oh. Um, which you definitely well, did. So, so. So can you like just make note of this time and put it in the show notes that Simon just write like Simon, hey, <laughs> jump right to like you know thirty five minutes. That's where David. This is a message says, for Simon Riddell. <laughs> <laughs> David loves you. He loves you real good. All right, cool. Put in that. <laughs> um, so so we met on Twitter. Uh, he he bought my. Uh, design zine zine which did very didn't do super well but he's one of those few people who actually bought it and and got, we got talking because he's interested in multiple exposures and some back and forth and we both also do some rock climbing and enjoy that kind of stuff so it led to us just doing some you know messaging through through twitter and uh he, I don't know if I invited myself over jokingly or he mentioned like, hey, if you ever want to come and do some like crazy stuff with ropes, do it. But something like that happened. And I was like, all right, it's going, it's, it's happening. So I went and looked for flights and they weren't too expensive. And I bought, I bought a, a, a flight to Inverness. And he was like, that's awesome. Usually people just talk about doing stuff, but don't actually do it. Right. Because Netflix, like, mm-hmm. why do you have to actually leave your house? you know um right so i went over to inverness i was just talking on twitter which apparently you wouldn't think in 2019 this would still be like a weird thing for people or i guess like 2017 2018 when this happened but people like oh you're going to scotland to see this how do you know i'm like oh twitter and they're like you're going to visit a guy you met on twitter like it's like 2018 like this is cool, right? I thought this. We don't we like just marry people we meet online before seeing them now. Like, isn't this... sure? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, but people were all like weird about it, and I was like, I don't know. He seems cool. If he like, did you think about that to, like, the first time he was uh, securing your ropes? That he was gonna like try to wear my skin later. <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> like... No, I was thinking maybe he he would just let you go down. <laughs> Just oh, yeah. down the waves. Oh, not like a, it puts a lotion <laughs> in the basket kind of thing. Um, so I don't know if you know Silence of the Lambs, but that was yeah. Silence of the Lambs reference. Okay. Um, so, no, I mean, I know he did climbing and rope access and stuff before. So you're just like, okay, I've done a lot of rock climbing with people and you can get a quick read on whether or not someone is a noob. You know, like, yeah. just watch them put on their harness and you'll have an idea how often they do this, right? Like, um, it's a good thing to know, I guess, if you're climbing together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been some people where you're just like, ah, maybe I shouldn't climb with you. <laughs> um, that's definitely happened. Uh, but yeah, so so I show up and... Um, and go and get in. We get to his place. It's the evening. And I brought a gift bottle of Armagnac, which we had a bottle of Armagnac on the John Wilkening podcast, of course, <laughs> uh, which is 
very important. And we ended up chatting, just sort of like sitting up and chatting really late and drinking most of that bottle of Armagnac that first night when I first arrived. And I was I like, see a theme developing here. Yeah, yeah, I might have a problem. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go back through my life. When I'm old, I'm going to listen. My, my kids are going to watch and listen to all my old podcasts and be like, Dad, are you okay? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the very next day, we sort of just went on to an adventure to this place that he always wanted to get across to the searchlight. Um, okay, so, sort so of a, there was no talk about this before you you traveled to meet him? There was just talk about, like, we'll get, I think, if I remember correctly, he said, oh, we'll get into some mental shit, I think is. All right. <laughs> yeah. So he, and I was he like, had All a plan, right. but you didn't know yeah. about it. And his dad had passed away, like, unfortunately, like a year or so before I came mm -hmm. out. But his dad was like, he was the one who introduced him to photography and he'd go out and do adventuring with his dad and photography. And on the sea there in the highlands, there was these places they called the searchlights, which were just sort of these gun bunkers on the sea. And there was one that's sort of on this rock that comes out of the sea and it was connected to another by a bridge that had fallen out like about 20 you know 25 years ago or so and all that's left are just these beams of wood had held together by you know like uh rusty metal bolts just the one you know yeah. one line of beams of wood with rusty metal bolts this other thing and so the very next day after i got in we went there and it was just pissing down it was <laughs> horrible weather super cold so obviously we couldn't get across. We took a couple photos on large format. The wind was so bad, we took all our climbing gear and weighed down the tripod, you know, that kind of um Okay, and so, then, so I've seen that video. So you the yeah. second day you were there you you yep. already started recording a video because I, I, I thought about that in the video that it, it looked like you you've been friends for several years. Yeah. That was the second day I met had <laughs> like known him in person, yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was cool because I was going through something. It's <clears throat> like I didn't really speak French before I came to France. And I went hard and fast like I do in photography right. with learning French. So I didn't look for any Anglophone friends or any like any. I just tried to find friends, you know, who, who just French friends. Mm -hmm. um, but it led to this weird depression, you know, where I was in the, just not in a great state because Imagine going from like teaching at a university to now speaking at the level of a three-year-old and everyone talking to you like you're three years old. Um, <laughs> and so there's this weird like Freudian regression I was going through where I had this like depression, like I hadn't really experienced depression like that since like my like, freshman year of high school, you know, which is really weird to have dealt with all your insecurities like head on, which I've done, and then have them sort of come back at you. But since it's in a different language, it's not like, I don't know. It was weird. And then his he was going through stuff, you know, through a divorce. And um, the the death of his dad was a big deal because he was trying to resuscitate him during that. And it wasn't expected. And so he had some PTSD from that. So it just, like, worked out we both needed something, you know, at that time. So it was just a lot of fun. Um, so... So, yeah, so we just sort of filmed. He's like, oh, I have a GoPro. I was like, cool. And we just sort of filmed it for fun. And uh, two days later, went back and actually got to that other 
uh, Searchlight, which he and his dad always wanted to do, so it was a big deal for him. And we filmed it and made these videos, and we thought they were pretty cool. And that's sort of like where this idea of, oh, adventure video was sort of born. Um, and then he came out to visit me in France, which we did a lot of art stuff, like less adventuring and more like capital A art. Um, I have a, uh, was working with an artist in Toulouse that I was collaborating with, and he came out and helped with some collaborations and stuff, which was really cool. And then so we were talking about me coming back out a year later because I first went out in February. And so then he had this idea to get into these tanks, which we got to visit the last day of my first trip over there. He just got a hold of the key holder. And so we went in and we already knew what to expect. And so then he sort of had this idea, hey, what if we tried to like print in the in the tunnels and stuff, you know, sort of this germ of, a, of an idea. And then we developed it over the following few months and then I went back over and we filmed everything. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. so the this the segments that are on online, uh the videos the uh they are from the first try to cross to the to the lighthouse or to the Yeah. What did you searchlight? searchlight? Yeah. And then what what's the and then there is one more where you actually make it or is that split yeah. into but when is there any videos about you going into the tanks or is that all in the documentary yeah so we filmed us going to the tanks the first time and i never edited them together i just intended to but okay. the first two videos didn't get as many views as i was hoping i was like what the what the crap and that's why we first went on Sunny 16, because Graham saw these, and he's like, why aren't there more views in this? So he's like, come on here, you should talk about this crazy stuff you're doing, right? And I sort of jokingly said, hey, if we get, you know, a thousand views, I'll edit the tank footage. You I know, remember you said that. Yeah. And then Hamish Gill with 35MMC was like, oh, this is crazy. Do you want to write an article? So I write an article for it. Long story short, we still didn't get a thousand views. Like, <laughs> so, so like I'm an idiot because I'm like, oh, no one will watch our stuff. Let's make a feature length copy. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the format that was missing, I think. Yeah, exactly. It just wasn't long enough. <laughs> no, but um, but uh, I think that that those films, I, I sort of, I sort of like when, when I, of course when I re started to research uh, the last show, I, I came across those videos and. The, when I started to watch them, I I was I wanted to m watch more, so I'm definitely going to w watch your documentary. But I guess that it's hard to know what what you're gonna get until you actually see the the films, because one thing is to to sort of see the challenges, um, but it c that could have been a, a very boring video, but yeah. the the chemistry between you and Simon is just and it's so funny and and all the um, the underlying uh humor that is back and forth between you guys it's it's very funny and at the same time it's it looks super sketchy and dangerous and then but then you just joke about it and he just uh jumps across this cliff and then you laugh about it afterwards it was, it, i was mesmerized it was very interesting 
One one fun thing about him jumping across the cliff and us laughing about it is we didn't realize he's uh, diabetic, and so he has an insulin pump. And so we didn't realize his insulin pump came out when he did that. Oh, <laughs> and and so like so we're like joking, but then I get like so he jumps over, he scales this rope to get up. We do a hand rope. I cross that really shady wooden bridge with the like rusty belts. I'm like, this is gonna fall out from under me. I'm gonna have to, you know, like traverse just using the rope afterwards. But it didn't fall out. But then I get over and he's like not into taking photos. You know, he's happy and stuff. But I'm like, are you okay? So we get back across, and we're, like, cleaning up, and he's just seeming a little out of it. And I'm like, what's going on, Simon? Like, what? And he, we realized his pump had come loose, so he just wasn't getting insulin at the end of that wow. whole thing. And <laughs> wow. um, so then we get in his car, and I'm like, "Can you probably can't drive. He's like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> so he did, like, an insulin shot, um, and we waited, you know, for that to kick in because it doesn't happen right away, right? And so we're just, like, sitting there in the car, like, just sort of, like, watching our watches, what, you know, uh, since then we drive home. So you, you don't even get that, like, while we're laughing. It's like, oh, he's about to, yeah, go, like, yeah, unconscious from from lack of sugar to his brain. So that's... I, I really liked the, watching the the videos uh, and you sort of kept in all your your thought process or it, it seems like you did where sort of the ideas you you sort of frame it like it, it this was a good idea it just didn't go very well <laughs> so so with the drone with the rope and the drone and and the, how you never spotted that cross beam uh, yeah. and oh that was so just so funny i i saw that Crossbeam. That was the first thing I saw. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, yeah. that's yeah. It's yeah. it's very funny videos, and if that sort of is what the the documentary is in the same style, I I can totally see um, it will be a success. I think <laughs> the documentary is a little bit more refined, so to speak. But yeah, there's still that dynamic. Um, the the documentary is hard because we had a guy lined up to film for us, right? And be an extra set of hands because obviously we yeah. built a giant dark room in like subterranean tunnels and mm. um, and did all this stuff. And you're like, okay, extra set of hands and a camera guy. And then he bailed on us like the day I was flying over. Um, and we were slid to go in, you know, like I'd stay one night at Simon's place and the next day we were slid to go into the, the tunnels. And so we couldn't find a replacement in time. So then I'm I filmed everything and we did the project and but why didn't you nice. was it impossible to postpone? Was it because you had other people involved or it's hard because, you know, I'm there. I was there for, what, 10 days total, oh, I think. Okay, yeah, sure, yeah. You know, I'm, and you need to make sure you have time on the back end in case things don't go as expected. You know, we know we're going to sleep overnight in this underground World War II facility. Um, and so, you, so it wasn't just like a whole, you know, can't do a lot. And neither of us have a lot of uh, expendable income. You know, so sort of the flight is the flight. You know, I can't really. Right. You know, we're we're sort of on a tight budget. Um, it was pretty cool. The 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 community the online came out and 
you know, supported us quite a bit on GoFundMe and stuff, which offset all those costs. But we didn't, it's not like we had, you know, capital to really reschedule and, you know, right. he had already put all, like he had prepared by putting a bunch of equipment already in the tunnels before I even came. Right. So like, yeah. Yeah, but so is, it wasn't really possible. The tunnels are they uh, connected to the the searchlight in any way? Is that on the no, on the no? To? Okay, so that's a separate no. thing. It's just a separate thing. It's just like that first trip I was out there. He was like, "What's all the mental stuff we can like shove into one trip?" Right. After, you know, uh, and he knew about these <clears throat> underground tanks and used some connections to track down the number they got the the key holder Preston White and left some messages for him and it just so happened a couple days before my 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 return flight Preston called us called him back and said hey if you guys are around tomorrow just by chance and we're like yes so um uh, yeah. So, so these tanks they were used to uh, for fuel or for oil or yeah, for fuel. Yeah, it's like um, closer to kerosene. Um, how did you guys breathe down there? It's fine. They've been cleaned. Um, okay, so there were no smell or or anything. No, it doesn't really smell or anything. It the tanks are actually made out of concrete, which is porous. Okay. So, like thick oil has seeped out of the walls over the years since they were cleaned so the floor of the actual tanks is just like a, a couple inches of water mixed with like oil so it's really slippery it's really messy yeah it's just like it's pretty grungy but but it's not like it smells or you worry about any of that like and yeah and and the the, the sort of the first tank is that like just a door to get to and then the trouble no, no, is getting from tank to tank or is it like insane to get to the first tank even well, so so you have to go through 300 meters down an access tunnel to even get down to the first tank. So it's like 300 meters to access tunnel. And then um, then there was just service pipes for the tank, right? Because they weren't meant for people to hang out in. Um, I don't know. <laughs> take that. pictures. Yeah, yeah. Or take pictures. Yeah, exactly. One day, <clears throat> photographers want this. We should build nice doors. No. Because... Jerks never built us those doors. <laughs> so, so you have to have someone like shove you through a giant pipe. Um, what was those for uh, originally? I'm not sure. They, they they originally had blanking plates on them, so they were sealed. So I think they were for like when they were originally built, but they weren't through which you like, you know, uh, filled or evacuated the tanks um so, so are, sure. the tanks, are the tanks in series or parallel uh, can you yeah, get they're... into tank two without passing through tank one no they're in par they're they're parallel they're in parallel and then there's right. two access tunnels which run along each end right of them okay so. and then one end is all of the pump rooms so the one access tunnel which is not the one we stayed in and used the one access tunnel, you have all the pump rooms where there's a giant winch where you would like raise the uh, a huge sump pipe to the level of the oil, you know, to siphon it out and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, each each tank is 275 meters long, you know, uh, like 15 meters high, nine meters wide, or something ridiculous like that. So they're enormous. 
Yeah, and then... And Tell then, us about the Echo as well. Oh, oh yeah. That's wicked. Um, the world record for the longest Echo in a man-made structure is in the first tank where we took the photo. Mm-hmm. That's where the like world record is. And it's just crazy because you're just trying to communicate in these things. <laughs> and if you're just... If you're 10 feet away, you can't understand what the person's saying. Like, um, so we had, we had like, uh, little walkie-talkies, you know, radios that we could use. Because otherwise you just can't communicate. And it took an hour. The, the, the photo we took, it took one hour. The, the shutter was open an hour. Where I walked the entire length of the tank with a flash to flash all the walls at even intervals to make the photo. And um, the flashlight kept overheating because, of course, it's not meant to do that many flashes. How, and, um, how did you calculate that one-hour exposure? Well, it doesn't matter. It's like pitch black in there, right? So so it think of it as like a giant multiple exposure because even though the shutter's open, it's so pitch black that it's not exposing anything. Okay, so, so right? one hour would still be pitch black. Yeah, exactly. You could have left it twenty-four hours open. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have exposed the film. Okay. Um, so you all you had to so, do was to find out the the strength of the flash and exactly the distance. Yep. Did you increase the uh, the strength of the flash down the the tunnel? No, because it's the distance from the thing you're hitting, not the distance from the camera. That's important. Ah, right. right. Good point. So, yeah. So, so yeah. So I walked down, but then it keeps overheating. So then you're just like we're on the radio, like chatting. He's like, "Did you check the battery? Did you, you know, like you know, you're just <laughs> like, okay, well, hopefully, because we had determined to only do one photo. You know, it was one shot that was sort of our shtick. So you're like, yeah. well, I guess I just stand here until this flash works. Well, it, w- it um, wouldn't be the same if if your story was, well, it took one and a half minute, yeah. so one hour yeah, photo, five shots, yeah. The yeah, the so. the one hour thing just makes it all sound a little cooler. Yeah, that's what I just said. But really, we just paid someone, you know, a five bucks on Fiverr to just make us a Photoshop image <laughs> that looks right. <laughs> oh, cool. But it's it's so it's so hard to imagine what it was what must have been like. But I guess we'll find out in the in the documentary. Yeah, you just gotta watch. So yeah, um, we. Amazingly, we haven't had distributors knocking down our door being like, we want to distribute. Yeah, I know, right? Like a couple of respondents saying, oh, we think it might be too niche. I'm like, whatever. Your face is niche. (laughs) I I was actually um, actually thinking we have this uh, documentary festival locally here. Yeah. uh, And I was actually thinking about uh, maybe tipping them or tipping you about each other. Maybe that was, but do it. Um, I'll, I won't tell them their face is niche. Their faces <laughs> are niche. Um, niche. No, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach that to my four-year-old. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, want to, I want that to be a first sort of put down. <laughs> yeah, your face is niche. <laughs> There's a few people who might like it. <laughs> It's very niche. <laughs> yeah. It's better than, oh, you have a face only a mother can love. I like it better. It's not, your face is niche. There's like a group, but it's just not for me. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but yeah, so 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 our our niche uh, documentary, uh, which is about like adventure photography, World War Two history, and you know us <clears throat> climbing into oily holes. Um, that uh, if if we don't get distribution by the fifteenth of December, we are going to release it on demand and to like buy digitally through Vimeo and Amazon and maybe iTunes if I can figure out how to placate, you know, the Apple gods, which is... What, what does that mean uh, in uh, explaining to a, to a five-year-old? Uh, like video on demand? Yeah, it's like, it's like do, do, can, can I buy it for personal, like just for me? Or did, do you mean that I can buy it and then... I can buy, uh, rent the distribution or yeah, it means like so you could go and either if you've done like rentals through Amazon before where you just say hey I want to rent this for 48 hours and you pay like three bucks instead of whatever oh, okay. and then you can watch it on there so you can do that also through Vimeo which is higher quality um, okay because uh, so, I was thinking that uh, if this is very niche your audience is probably mostly analog photography interested viewers. So if, like I was thinking, I could uh, rent distribution to show to like two or three of the local camera clubs here. Uh, but then three bucks is sort of not... Um, do you know what I mean? I, like, yeah, I if, mean if you set up something that we could show to our local camera clubs, but then instead of paying three bucks, maybe we paid 50 or. Yeah, no, if people, I think if people want you know, we still have the right. So if people want to do showings technically, you know, like rentals, not for that per se, you know, we could do individual things because we do have showings coming up. We have two in Scotland and then two in England um you know that people are paying for and and stuff so yeah uh, we could do uh different kinds of deals i mean if someone wanted to you know rent it on their laptop and project it without us knowing of course they could you know but they could do that right now with a lot of movies you know yeah um i don't think so they say it's niche but honestly my idea going into this was we're in this sort of instagram generation right where people are so used to taking all these photos trying to pick the perfect one, do all this stuff, right? Um, so we're we're sort of counterculture in the way that we're like, okay, we're just going to do one photo and see what we can make out of it. So I think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. But it's not just against the grain in, in, that, in that it's also about photography. And with Instagram, everyone's like a photographer now, right? There's so many people who are into photography. And I don't think you just have to be into analog photography to go, oh, they're making an image and they're just sort of arbitrarily making it hard on themselves. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think it could be interesting to a lot of people because you just have a lot of people are interested in image making right in general now that I think all these distributors, they're just not seeing what's obviously a gem, <laughs> but like, no, but I, I think there's this place where, because the original idea I was saying it would make a cool, like a uh, TV show, you know, if you had like a 50 minute like TV show on the Discovery Channel where, you know, to adventure photographers, if you're listening to this Discovery Network, 
Um, adventure photographers limit themselves to one shot, try to print it on location, make one image, right? Like all the challenges, you know, maybe one time it's wet plate, one time, you know, and the whole idea is make an image in this place. And, the, anyway, and then so. you would have these sort of uh, quarterly uh, cliffhangers where it, it, it appears that you are about to fall into the abyss uh, or yeah. get stuck in the tunnel or, and then they go to commercial Arf. and then... Or have a blank negative come out if you're 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 developing time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm. which is even worse than falling into a time. <laughs> you kind of back to that deconstructivist um, conversation you had last yeah. week, though. It's it's one image, but yeah. there's the backstory for this one image is is ridiculous. You know, that's a good yeah. point because I'm really interested in the backstory <clears throat> of this especially since it's from like world war Two and and the history of the tanks and what they were used for and all those that type of thing that interests me a lot and we have these not these but we have these bunkers in, in around my my hometown where they uh the germans uh, had uh had machine gun posts and and, ca- and cannons for for protecting the the sea when after they occupied us and uh, and those are also always fascinating as i was growing up uh, we 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 went hide and seek in those and found uh, shells and and ammo left over and stuff and i've i've been thinking about doing some sort of project with those for a long time and i tried once uh and all the photos were just total rubbish and they didn't they didn't do anything for me and then i just put it on ice but see i i would i would love to see this uh, how you sort of incorporated the history of of the place into the documentary and it's it's very fascinating yeah i mean that was that was a fun little part yeah so we we try to get a little history and we have a tour of the facility as part of the documentary um what's so interesting is presumably the picture that's the kind of um the image that that advertises the film is the final image right mm-hmm. so yeah. every, everybody's kind of seen the the end result it's not like you're going to spend an hour or, or 90 minutes or whatever it is building up to the reveal of the image because everybody's seen it before they even watched the film which again is another yeah so everyone right? knows that yeah. it was a success before <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like... What were you thinking? <laughs> I know. So, so at first, that wasn't... I didn't use that for the for the film. And I was using, like, screenshots from the movie of us being in the tank with the light. But I was looking at it. I was like, this is such a good image. We have such a great image, and I think it's really cool, and it's sort of enticing. And I was like, well, I should just use this, you know, especially if we're trying to find a dis- distributor. Like, this is interesting. Right. It's not normal either. You know, this black and white sort of very contrasty image with these sort of stark lines. And I decided to do it. And I was like a lot of people. Yeah. okay. So a small group of like film photographers who've been listening to like these podcasts and (laughs) and stuff might know the story. So they know what they're looking at as the image. But I think, Mm. you know, the goal is that like this appeals to a wider audience and those people won't really realize what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. Right, which might be a lot. I think I was realizing it might actually be fun because then they see this whole thing and they go, 
and and yeah. then you could you know you could release a behind the scenes of making of the documentary yeah yeah if we actually had a camera guy <laughs> to film all that behind the scenes bad. but i was thinking <laughs> how a non-photographic interest uh, a hobbyist would understand the all the flashes that accumulates to one shot i think i would have a hard time understanding that if i like 10 years ago so yeah do you do you explain anything in the video or did you not do, do you just sort of not take into consideration the the audience when you film I'm a true artist, so I think everyone else. <laughs> I don't care what anyone else thinks. It's, no, um, we we tried to, I, we tried to find a good balance of like what we explain and what would just open to more confusion. Yeah. Right. Like, so there's some points. For instance, when I'm setting up the shot, I have a little text in the bottom that actually says what my aperture is what lens the focal length of the lens are using and stuff like that mm -hmm. but it's the bottom left because i wanted it something like people like you would just be curious like oh what lens are you using right um for for something like that so but it's not there i you know it's not there so in the forefront that i think it would be like i don't know what they're talking about this jargon like i'm going to shut it off um right. so i briefly explain what i'm going to do like what you know we're going to leave it open i'm going to walk the length of the flash but don't really explain too much past that. So it's really, it's it's sort of hard while we're printing. I have a little thing that says, oh, we're doing a test trip to know if the time's right. You know, like that kind of thing, but not yeah. like, it's, it's it, that's a really hard balance because you want it to be watchable by anyone who just sort of likes documentaries, which is becoming increasingly rare. Th thanks, Marvel. Um, but like, <laughs> Well, but uh, yeah, no, yeah. I, it's just so that's a hard balance. So I think we struck a pretty good balance, but you know, also I'm biased. I totally get that. Uh, how it must have been really hard to sort of uh, to remember to to like talk to the camera and explain, uh, especially since you you're one guy short, and yeah. and you're in this tunnel doing this project, and you have to like I'm guessing that's the main focus and not the documentary. So that would be for it, me at least. I, I would certainly re not remember to explain everything. Yeah, it's it's hard. I was I like was stressy about it when we're filming. Like we got to do this, and so I, it's usually me like bending over talking to the camera. Right. And, like at one point we're about to go into the tunnel, and Simon like goes on Instagram and like sets up Instagram live while I'm like filming, <laughs> and he's like, "Hi guys." And he's saying this interesting stuff to his phone with his back to the camera. And I'm like, Simon, turn off your phone. Can you say that to the camera? We're trying to make a documentary. The crap cat. Why are you on Instagram Live right now? You know, I'm like, stop it. I'm like, can you say? He's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I guess. I didn't think about that. I'm like, yeah, you know, like for me, because I've done a lot of video stuff in the past, at least it's sort of in my head. But if you watch it, there's like some shots as it progresses. We're just like super out of focus because we just use two Sony mirrorless cameras with only vintage lenses, mm -hmm. right? As All just do. manual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as you do. But the, the problem is like, you know, like 
you just get tired and it's just a long project and you're doing everything and you could actually see like there's parts where we're setting up the dark room you know and we've been in this like these tunnels for over 24 hours right obviously tired and there's just some shots that are just like not in focus just not in focus well just like david david doesn't know how to focus he has focus peaking set up on his camera but that doesn't matter He's an artist. It doesn't need to be in focus. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it's a statement. It it <laughs> it represents how out of it we were. Yeah. You know, while we were doing this, viewer, and how tired the viewer feels feels the un- uncomfortable status of the the two guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I had a, one guy watch it. A friend of mine who's an editor out in L.A., but he doesn't like this kind of documentary, so he's like not our audience at all. Um, but I figured it'd be good to get his feedback because he's a video editor and, you know, like mm. I could take his stuff with a grain of salt because I know it wouldn't appeal to him, period, even if it was like perfectly executed. But it also provides me valuable information, stuff I wouldn't think about. Mm-hmm. Right. So at one point he's like, I want to see more like what it was like for you. What were you thinking? What was it like from your guy's perspective? I'm like, OK, cool. On a very early cut. And then another scene where we're like in the tank doing the shot and it's like mostly black, right? With some flashes. He's like, cut all that black. I don't want to just see black. That's not interesting. And I'm like, that is what it was like for you. just said you wanted to see our viewpoint. That was our viewpoint for 48 hours. It's just black. So it's like, that's, these, that's these are bad suggestions. <laughs> I love you, Nate. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he's probably, <laughs> probably listening. Yeah. <laughs> so but yeah well do you have um is there anything you want to mention about this uh, documentary uh is there anything we've forgotten i guess go follow um where our handle where all good social medias can be found is um tanky mick one shot which mm-hmm. was the working title for the project so our handle is tanky mick one shot everywhere so if you go follow us then when we release it on demand you can go and give me five dollars but to be to just make it clear (laughs) that if you get picked up by a distributor that won't happen or it will happen anyway it it depends because distributors might just be for instance a distributor might be just interested in distribution rights for canada right and so Mm -hmm. then maybe i'll release we'll release it are on our own on demand everywhere but Canada, you know. So, um, but do you do you set it, the prices yourself or or is that yeah okay so yeah for on demand if we no if it's a distributor they they sort of deal with yeah all but, that, it, but if um, you're going to Vimeo or Amazon then you get to set the yeah. price cool exactly so yeah so I was thinking like you know uh, like five bucks to rent or something and you know fifteen to buy so you can just watch it for life or how much. Uh, to legally show it to a group of people, how, how what would that? I don't know how many people are showing to. It just depends on how like how much you compliment me, and then I'll just arbitrarily come up with a number, and then if you like it, we'll be like cool, and then. And and yeah. how much to get a visit from the creator? Oh, for like a Q and A? I don't know. Look up like a flight. How much does a flight cost? To Norway, it's quite quite expensive. What? Oh, it's it's probably still not too expensive to Norway. What like it's probably still only like two hundred and fifty euros or something, right? <laughs> yeah, 
and then so, you can come here for yeah. one evening and and uh, show the movie and then have a Q and A uh, in yeah. front of seven interested people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we can all like ch- chow down on like a tube of like you know reindeer meat cheese. And then <laughs> oh, oh man, I felt that. <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> Well, on that note, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I was. Ian, I hope. I have, I have one last question, but I was. Uh, yeah. Ian, do you have any uh, more questions? For where can I get reindeer meat cheese from <laughs> uh, in this side of Ireland? <laughs> no, I'm good. Uh, I, I, I really look forward to the to to the film. Uh, uh, and I'll think about I'll, I'll 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 put some feelers out for if there's any interest in kind of distribution out in this sort of part of the world. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you if you have a place that's interested in like doing a showing that you know, like we could figure something out too. You know, like if you know a, a photographic community there, and there's a place that you know that can do a projection. You know, let me know. We can. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely something. look it up, even if it's just our front room. Well, you know, we'll. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know uh, uh, just locally here. I know three camera clubs. That they're all digital photo- photographers, but they're like twenty, thirty, and they meet once a month. So it would be pretty interesting to to at least let them have the offer to to get together and have some cake and yeah. watch this. I mean, I haven't. Would be it's not a bad idea to just really you know have like maybe set up a price for camera clubs to you know hey you pay 50 bucks or whatever and you know show it to at your camera club or something yeah because that was my first thought that i of course i want to see this alone but but of course uh, if 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 like the one of the clubs wants to show this at one of their meetings or they have some seminars uh, uh, usually a saturday or a sunday where they get photographers in and if maybe this could be a way for me to talk about analog photography to those digital clubs uh, and uh, maybe as a part of my lecture I can show this or that was what I was thinking but uh. yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely I know a guy in the U- in the US he's an art teacher uh, high school art teacher I think um and uh he he's like the brother of my best friend out in the US and uh, he he hit me up. He said, "Hey, let me know when this is out. I'd like to show it to my art students because he, you know, he does stuff in photography, too. So that was sort of cool. Yeah, to have someone who's an art teacher go. I would like to show this to students. So I think there's a place for it. Yeah, actually, just as sort of like a fun way to introduce film photography and darkroom photography because it's all in there. You know, the shot to the print is all in there. So well, in Norway we have." Um... We have this. Uh, I don't know how common it is in, in the rest of the world, but but, but after after the mandatory school, uh, like uh, after high school, I guess it, it's not the same because we end at eighteen. Um, then usually we go through to university and do something. But for everyone that's not sure what they want to do with their life, they usually end up on a. Like it's like a one-year school, where mm-hmm. where all the subjects and and everything is is sort of uh, aimed for people who really don't know what they want to do. So it's sort of maybe not a 
year off. Like an but, overview. Yeah, but it, it's like the the lines are, or the the classes are like golf and and uh, rafting and. I don't know what I do. Oh, I could be a professional golfer. Yeah. Why didn't someone tell me that? I like a professional rafter. And and a, a professional rafter. And, yeah. And there is, I think, there is a hundred and seventy of those schools in Norway, or hundred and fifty. Oh, okay. And all of them have has these photography line. Um, I call them lines, but well, that's what we call them in Norway. I don't know what the is a class or like. Yeah. So oh, unit so, maybe. So they have this. Yeah. You can apply to go to uh, in a class which are called like China and photo. So two times during the semester you travel to China and take photos. Oh. So it's a, sort of a mix between I want to do the thing that I want to do the most for a year and then live together with seventy or eighty other uh, mm-hmm. kids. So, and but I was thinking that. They all, all those schools have these uh, Saturday seminars, uh, which includes photographers and and uh, mm. like charity organizations and knitting and line dance and uh, you name it. So, fifty bucks a time. That sounds sounds like a good start. Yeah, times yeah, hundred and fifty. Does that sound that's does that sound reasonable? Like fifty bucks, you show it to a room of people. I feel like I that just, seems. I just don't know how you control it though. You know, if if, if I could, can't download, really. If I can download it for fifteen, or or even rent it for five for twenty four hours or whatever it is, then I just take my laptop and plug it in somewhere. And, yeah. But yeah, you, you'd but like to think. But you're also a dick. Yeah. So like. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I think guess. that's so, the so, only way to. It's it's only like the unwritten rule or whatever but like but he's talking about norway and everyone's aren't people too nice there <laughs> to do that they wouldn't do me like that well, we're pretty cheap um, so the 50 bucks had have to come down that's for sure but <laughs> oh in norway are pretty cheap yeah you, you know yeah, yeah. like we like a, a, pint, a pint of beer is 10 bucks i think in the summer that's that's expensive yeah. So, uh, a full-length documentary for fifty, mm, you know. <laughs> well, Norway extends north of Finland, doesn't it? It has like the skinny part, and am I wrong? Mm, yes, that's Does Norway true. Norway actually, yeah, because okay. on top of so Finland you, guys... you have uh, Russia. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you 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 guys you guys go actually technically more north than Finland, I think. Yes. Even though, like the the main part where everyone lives in Norway is more southern, right? Uh, um, but most of it's dark all the time, so they'll be able to light to the whole tunnel stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's still like this. That's actually just the top, what? above the the polar circle. Yeah, we've been talking about driving to Finland like next year, <laughs> um, so maybe we'll just have to pop by. Yeah. What? You, you know, driving to Finland. You want to drive from Finland to Norway? Well, no, I'm, we're going to drive from from southwest France to Finland. But you know, why not pop by Norway, say hi? Oh. Yeah, sure. You know. Well, I think <laughs> I wanted to drive last last summer. I wanted to drive to Finland, and uh, I calculated that it was three days of driving. I think. But sure. Um, I mean, go ahead. 
I was in Finland. I was in the super north of Finland. We went into the Arctic Circle to like Yolopuki Village, yeah, Santa Claus Village in Finland. Yeah. And on the way home, in, in the middle of winter, so it's weird because it just it seems like it's night all the time. So you don't know when it is. Yeah. Like it just feels like it's a vacation that took one day, but it was one really really long day because you <laughs> don't have any sense of order. Like it's weird. <laughs> There's no like order because yeah. normally with a vacation you have night and day and it helps break things up, but really you just don't know what time it is, ever. And so, so anyway, so we're in like Santa Claus Village in the Arctic Circle like at night or day. I don't know when. Could have been six a.m. I don't know. And then we drove into Sweden just to go to an IKEA and get some meatballs. As you do. And that's the only time I've been in Sweden. <laughs> to go to an Ikea to eat some. <laughs> and they're just as crappy in their Ikeas as they are in ours. Like, I don't... But, um... Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So, that was my only time in Sweden, but I never went to Norway. So, um... How are your meatballs? <laughs> uh, reindeer and meatballs in, in the north, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's all reindeer cheese yeah, stuff. Probably Tubes of reindeer cheese. Probably a lot of reindeer cheese. Sounds like you can do personal appearances at, at these uh, camera clubs. You can just when, drive around uh, for a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just drive around. Be like, you have to pay me in reindeer cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. All right. Well, well you definitely. Well, so, we, we will welcome you with open arms uh, if you would like to come here, and you will be treated like the true movie star. Uh, <laughs> oh, <you> thank are. <laughs> you. My hot sandwiches ready and my like. Filtered water. Yeah, and only only green M and M's and or yellow. <laughs> exactly. You can do it all. Okay. No, but um, it's um, it's a pretty interesting idea to not to sort of help you distribute it. I'm not. That was not my main goal, but it sort of is because I was thinking how many people that are probably very interested in this film. Uh, at least if uh, it's a part of something that they would normally do anyway. So if it's a like a school seminar, it would be probably yeah. very popular because last Saturday they had line dancing and chess. So mm. I don't know. I'll try to I'll what? try to 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 poke around a little bit and see if it's do possible. It. In the meantime, I'll propose to Simon that we do a line dancing chess film next, <laughs> with reindeer cheese in the at a half. Yeah, just we need to <laughs> we need to hit that Oslo market. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I want to um, I wanted to end this uh, episode with the uh, the most important question I probably have asked anyone ever. Oh man, this is heavy. Oh wow. And, uh, <clears throat> the the reply. I, I would suggest you consider lying uh, okay. for a few seconds because it's this is going to be very important. And the the question goes like this. Did you shoot on FP4 at 500 in the tank? Sadly. What? <laughs> No. Oh my god. HP5 at 1600? Oh. What? But it was still a two stop push. <laughs> it was still a two stop push. <laughs> I feel like a fraud. Yeah. 
We should probably just erase that first bit of this show. <laughs> just to... Hmm. Well, on that happy note, <laughs> it's time to say goodbye for, for this episode. But I have plans for a third in a row with David, if he if he'll let me. Because we still... I'm not sure you're going to see him again. <laughs> you guys... After you've just exposed him. <laughs> Yeah, that's a well. part of life you guys are <laughs> what being shit at learning from your mistakes <laughs> i.e. having me on the show no but we still have um, to we have to that hour of darkroom dis- discussions and tips and oh, tricks yeah. and and uh, all the fun stuff we can do with with, dark with in the darkroom we, we still have to get yeah. to that so we have to do sure. one more session i think um and Ian, you used to print in the darkroom, right, before you moved? Yeah, I've done okay. a bit. I just, just never had enough available time to get any good at it. That was the problem. Okay. Okay. But I'll, 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 I'll drink along. Yeah, I'll that's... <laughs> and I hope all the listeners drink along, too. We can have... Make it more... We, can, we could play a game, like a drinking game, that every yeah. time we mention yeah. something, then yeah. we take a sip. Or we double the audio tracks, so it gets more echoey. Yeah, and and building a ten second delay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's let's just end this before okay. the ideas <laughs> gets too crazy. So, until the next and the third episode of this series, it is a series, right? Yeah. I guess yeah. It, after three, it is, it's a trip. It's a mini series. <laughs> All right. So, uh, <laughs> do you want to tell the world where uh, they can find your art? Maybe you can start, Ian. Just remind everyone. I, I don't know about art, but yeah, you can see some. <laughs> you can, can see some pictures I've taken at uh, at barnabynut.com, and Instagram's the same. And uh, yeah, it's been you great. Have to... A few zines too, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of sold out zines. So yeah, <laughs> I so... Keep, raising, keep raising people's interest in them and then shooting them down immediately. <laughs> um, All right. But yeah, barnaby.com, everything's there. Great to talk to you, David. It was, it was oh, pretty good fun. And you, David, uh, I guess inchindown.com uh, is a... Inchindown.com, davidassalon.com. Right? Yeah, inchindown. The, the cool I-N-C-H- way. The, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, if you're like writing it out and it just looks like you're a dork, then it's the wrong way. <laughs> it's not how it's spelled. It's the cool way. Well, I don't know you at least bought inchingdown.com, right? So it will be... Inching, yeah. yeah. I, I bought itching yeah. down just in case <laughs> someone... That's smart. <laughs> yeah. You got to really protect your brand. No, I-N-C-H-I-N-D-O-W-N.com. Inch. So like inch, <laughs> like the, the distance that should be abolished. Inch, in, <laughs> I-N, like the, the square... The squirrel went in the tree, you know, preposition, inch in down as in the direction dot com. Thank you. Yeah. All right. I think I just made it more confusing. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Until next time. Bye bye. A tout à l'heure.